the morning about break of day. That's when my baby went away. Trying and clean don't do me no good. Come back, baby, wish you would. Hello and welcome to another episode of Personal Stories of St. James's Episcopal Church in Cambridge. My name is the Reverend Julia Matayana Friedman and I am excited to bring you an interview with the um, current office manager of our parish community. Good morning, Carrie. Thank you for making time to chat with us this morning on a, well, for those who are listening in, uh, we are recording on the Wednesday after the election. So once again, I'm glad that you could make time on this funny morning. How are you doing? <laughs> um, pretty good. I mean, I didn't get a lot of sleep, like probably many other folks. Um, I'm a little bit shaky from all the coffee, so... Um, but other than that, I'm good. I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. Carrie, that. <laughs> <laughs> that for those who maybe are hearing your voice for the first time, if you could tell us um, your name, where, how long you've been working at St. James's, and what your role is. Yeah, sure. Oh, I'm Carrie Chomick. I am officially the office manager, office administrator. I'm not. I've been at St. James <laughs> now, I think, for just over a year. Yeah, which I think is it was which less... is quite an accomplishment. Uh, uh, so I so I hear. I think I get a get a plaque for every every extra month I'm here or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carrie, tell me where you were born and how how growing up where you were born and raised was for you. I actually grew up in what well, what a lot of people are probably mulling over this morning. I grew up in Michigan. <laughs> Um, in west western part of Michigan, like Grand Rapids area. Yeah, I moved out here about to the East Coast just over 11 years ago to uh, do some grad work at, at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Um, wow, it's been 11 years. You've been in the Boston I've been area? In this. For wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's pushing 12, I think, now. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. I think about that. I feel like I just did it, but then it's like, wow, no, I'm, I've been here for a significant part of my life. Tell us, if I recall correctly, you grew up on a, like a farm area, is that right? Yeah, I grew up in a rural area north of the, uh, like an hour north of Grand Rapids. Um, what was that so, like for you as a kid? Like what were some of your favorite things that you would do? Yeah, it was great. I loved growing up in the country. Um, we lived, uh, I grew up in a, on a lake and in a very rural, very white um blue collar working class community um and yeah I would I I loved where I lived I love where I grew up I got to I was outside most of my childhood I feel like um which is good whether it was winter or summer um mostly because there was four kids in the house and my mom couldn't stand us all being in the house and so we get out we, we were Go outside play. a lot <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah and 
yeah, it was good. Were you raised part. with any kind of spiritual tradition? Yeah, I was raised in a very fundamentalist Bible Baptist community. Um, so uh, what, I wouldn't even call us, we, I wasn't necessarily mainline evangelical. I think we even thought that evangelicals were a little bit too liberal for us. Um, growing up in that community so it was very closed to the world so you felt very secluded and as I, I you know I felt the joy of community life but um, I didn't know a lot about what was happening in the in the bigger world um, other than what was being told to me through the lens of this um, particular worldview and theological perspective to speak of it kindly I suppose <laughs> I, I suppose yeah 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 <laughs> would you call yourself an episcopal now yes yeah i joined the episcopal church about um i got um well confirmed that's okay. yeah in, yeah in the episcopal church about um right around the time i got married um or just before so uh, about seven years ago okay. i was confirmed in the episcopal church um yeah <clears throat> And so that's like a pretty different experience, I assume, from your, you know, fundamentalists like growing up. And I wondered mm-hmm. if you could tell us anything like about that journey, what that journey has been like for you. Yeah, well, I've, I, I guess initially, as you know, as you grow, I've always been a why person. And so I wasn't always satisfied with the answers I was getting from the church um, and the community in which I grew up. And um, I like to read, which isn't always a good thing in that community, unless you're reading the King James Bible. Um, <laughs> so um, I was always interested in, in theology and, and, and biblical scholarship, particularly like learning more about the, the communities in which scripture landed and which it was, well, not landed, that, that is even a show of my my um, my upbringing that you know, that like humans with, didn't have as much of an agency or something in the process. Correct. Of, yeah, yeah, correct. yeah, yeah. Totally. It kind of dropped out of heaven. Oh, it was God breathed and you know kind of yes, took over yes, the, the yes. possession of bodies and and wrote these scriptures for us. But yeah, so I think just my I I always had an inquis- inquisitive like approach. Yeah. yeah. To to scripture and always wondered um I, I i'll never forget when i was about uh, 12 years old right around there and i was at church and our sermons and in in fundamentalist bible baptist churches sermons are 45 minutes to an hour that's just how it happens and which is one of the reasons i chose the episcopal church is because they um they like to keep those nice and short which i really appreciate and it, it's really quite funny the when they're homily, like oh that the one the homily the homily yeah, went yeah, for yeah. oh it was so long it was 20 minutes i'm like oh my goodness that's nothing that is yeah, nothing yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny anyways in that moment i was sitting there and i think at the time the person preaching was 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 railing on some political issues i remember in that in that moment thinking how do we know that we're right like here we are this this i was old enough to know that the world is much bigger than the small community i was in and so you know that was kind of the beginning of those seeds of just like how how do we know that we're so right like what what gives us this special the secret that nobody else has that we this this small sect of mm-hmm. small portion of the world know all of the answers and mm-hmm. um, i think from there that's 
it wasn't something I wanted to discuss with people because it it wasn't a, a safe environment to have doubts in about sure. your faith. Yeah. Um, so um, that's when I, I think I got the bug to just want to know more about the history of Christianity and how, yeah. how did we get here and how did we get the Bible and is it trustworthy and um, yeah, yeah. is it reliable yeah. and, and all of those things. Um, so thanks for sharing that. I'm interested in this remark that you made about a state, like your experience in fundamentalism, you know, Christian fundamentalism is that it wasn't a safe place to doubt. And so I'm, I'm yeah. interested in this because it, at least in my own experience, the Episcopal church has, is, has been very different in that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there is this invitation to other forms of knowledge and, yeah. um, and an openness to doubt and walk into those conversations, both with, um, charity being both critical and charitable. Right. So I yeah. wondered if, if you wanted to talk or if you had a story or something about how oh, doubt boy. has played into your faith. I think for me, it's really hard to, I think something that I was taught as I grow up is, is that somehow we had the truth and that tr that truth was logical and could be separated from that could be objective and separated from our feelings and our relation to others, which I find odd in a lot of ways, but I'm not going to dive into that. But so for me, what changed, what really changed my viewpoint is, is my relationship with other people, with people who didn't fit the norm in that community. Um, like the fundamentalist, like quote unquote, mm -hmm. fundamentalist norm. Yep. So, yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, and so, and realizing that these people weren't bad and they weren't making these choices to, to, to be defiant or because they were, had an evil spirit in them or whatever mm -hmm. it was, yeah. but they were just simply trying to live their lives and, and be true to who they were. If it wasn't for people, particular people in moments in my life, I, I don't know if I would have left. I don't know if I would have mm -hmm. made it out. Um, and, and so I'm extremely grateful to those, to those certain individuals who entered my life in moments that impacted how I thought through my, my own relationship with God and my own experience with theology and truth. Yeah. You mentioned that you were married. So tell us about that. <laughs> oh, it's awful. No, I'm just kidding. It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I met my uh, my spouse Joe at uh, at Gordon Conwell. We both attended there, um, and yeah, so that's it's it's good. I'm I'm very grateful for him. He grew up in a in a, a little bit different of a background. It was a, a conservative background, but um, very Pentecostal background. And so we kind of I think we were both kind of exiting the conservative evangelical world as we started dating and it was nice to have a have an ally in that yeah. because it seems very scary because it's 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 hard to lose friends and and to even lose family in some regards because you're you're stepping away from a from a religious um a religious organization i don't know uh, and, and yeah so it was so we we bonded very much over that and mm -hmm. um and, and and other things as well, of course, but yeah, so. 
Carrie, who is somebody you, you are most grateful for in your life and tell us about them and why? Yeah. Um, wow. That is a really good question. I know that's a very broad question. <laughs> it's you can broad. To, it might yeah. be more than in terms of sh- helping to shape who I am today. I think three people come to mind if that's okay. Please. Um, the first one is, is my, my father, my dad, he, I was one of the, one of the, of the four, I was the bookworm and he was also kind of somebody who enjoyed reading and he actually didn't grow up in the church. He joined the church in his college year. I think, I, um, oh, it's one of those movements in, in colleges in um, like the Crusaders for Christ yes. or Campus Crusades or something Campus like that. Crusade. Yes. yes. I think yes. that was it back in the seventies in, um, in, uh, in, in the Detroit area where he grew up. And so we, we, we had a connection there that was really, um, we bonded over our enjoyment of just simply reading and being well-informed. And unfortunately he, he passed away my last year in college of cancer. And I think that piece spurred me to leave and go and, and do um, a master's degree program and to kind of get out of the state. So that transition was very life forming for me in terms of where I am now. I'm not always one to take risks. I like to be very cautious when I make decisions, but that was probably one of the bigger things to actually decide to say, Hey, I'm going to leave home and I'm going to move across the country. And cause I, I really want to do this. And my dad always thought that I should, and I always wanted to do it, but just wasn't sure I could. Um, and then um, after he died, I was, I, my courage became real. And I was like, I've, mm-hmm. I've got to do this. You have one life. And mm. I'm, you know, and, and as the world has gotten more polarized, it's, it's, I always think back on what he, how he would have interacted with it. Um, he was always willing to have a, we'd have, we'd have throw down fights about things and, and argue with them mm-hmm. out, but, but it was always good. And um, in a lot of ways. So mm. anyway, so that's, that would be one. Um, and then also my, um, my brother, um, my youngest brother, who's actually um, a trans, um, a trans man. Um, he, uh, okay. he, he came out to me when I was um, just wrapping up my undergraduate. Um, okay. And that has this greatly... would have been before your dad passed. It yes. would have been just around that time. Okay. I, I can't quite remember if it was right before or right after. Um, but I'm not even sure he knew. Um, I don't know if he ever knew. So, and at the time I was, you know, finishing college and, and my brother was, uh, you know, last year of high school. And even though I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. And, and, and I look back and I sometimes feel guilt for how I reacted. Um, it wasn't one of immediate acceptance, but it, uh, it, it wasn't all also immediate denial and and um I don't know it, it was it yeah it was it was still a journey it wasn't it like was a, still a journey and it wasn't immediate like oh it was just one of those first things that I was like wow and at the time I think I was just voicing it as struggle and it's mm-hmm. like that just seems and seeing the unfairness of it well here's this person who like you know and and, and that that has a different sexual orientation that I do and it sucks that they can't, in in our worldview, they have to deny that part of themselves. And 
I, I really struggled with that internally um, and had a hard time understanding why God would, would require that. And so, but over the course of my studies and being out on the East Coast and interacting with a lot of different people from a lot of different faith backgrounds, just really coming to the realization that that isn't the way that God works. And what I was taught wasn't, isn't necessarily the truth, capital T-H-E, as they like to do, um, really began to change my perspective on a lot of issues. And so, mm-hmm. and eventually um, my brother did move out here just simply because he was having such a, a difficult time in that fundamentalist community. Um, and it was dangerous for him in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, Joe and I had made the decision to invite him out here to live with us being able to see him become who he's always been, I think, and who he's envisioned himself to be and and to be safe here and know that he's supported and he has the right. There's just a lot of support in Massachusetts that you wouldn't necessarily get in rural Michigan. And, um, sure. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we often joke about (laughs) how, um, uh, you know, oh, you guys saved my life. By, I, mean, I, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have somebody in my family who who wasn't super fundamentalist. And and I always just jump back and be like, well, you saved mine too, because mm. I, I don't know if it would have, it wouldn't have been as, as easy to leave. It, you know, it forced my hand. You know, you, you, you can't stay in the middle. You have to make a choice. You can't just deny what's happening. Why? Um, so well, that's so beautiful. There was a third person you said you mentioned who. Um... Yeah, in my grad school experience, I also had another friend who was is um, non-binary, so they were didn't identify as either gender really strongly. Um, I think leaned uh, male, and they were born female, but um, but didn't necessarily really fit fully either side. And that was also impactful because this was a person that I, I admired um, who was extremely intelligent, extremely intelligent, and, and who was also wrestling with how do I, how does my, how does my faith, my, my evangelical identity, my, my sexual orientation, how does that, how do those things coexist? And, um, and I think seeing that struggle just continued to confirm my own shaping and my own belief systems. And um, unfortunately, (laughs) unfortunately, that person also recently died in a tragic accident in May of this year. So 2020 has been great. But um, so those three people, I think, have really have shaped who I am. And I'm extremely Mm -hmm. grateful to Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, I'm not sure I would, I'm not sure I would have gotten out of the of that world completely without them. And mm-hmm. uh, it just, you know, goes to remind me that when we can share our lives with people, when we can have the hard conversations and people are much more complicated than we often want to think about, especially in a, in a polarized world, they are much more complicated than their Facebook posts. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a very good word for us, for all of us, I think. So you may have touched on it already, Carrie, but I wanted to ask the question just to see if there was anything further or something different. What is your most difficult memory? Since we're talking about all of this, I guess I'll I'll keep it to the general same 
the, the same topic. I think one of the most difficult things, and once again, keeping in perspective that I have lived a relatively privileged life. And so my difficulty lies more in the emotional stuff um, mm. and less in the physical trauma and, and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, I think one of the most difficult things for me was standing in my mom's kitchen. Mm. And, and mind you, my mother and I had a really relatively close bond throughout my childhood and in and, and my teenage years and early, early adult years. And having to have the hard conversation and say that I, I support my, my brother's life and what Mm -hmm. he's, and who he is and who he's say, he, he is saying that he is. And, um, that was really hard because I, man, that was, it was heartbreaking, um, because it required, um, I grew up in a family where my, my family always was telling me that they were proud of me and thought I was doing a great job. And um, since that conversation, I've never heard any joy expressed in the choices that I'm making with my life from mm. my, from my, my mother and from my, 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 my family. And it was really hard to, um, to have to kind of sever that relationship yeah. And, and that you were put in a position that you had to even do that. I mean, it's, yeah, I can. And so, but, but, uh, you know, once again, I'm, I'm also reminded that it's, I, I, I can't not make that choice because mm-hmm. I believe that my, my, my brother's life matters. And <laughs> I, I can't deny that it, it, it's, it was a, how can you not do the right thing when you know it's the right thing to do? And and still hurt somebody in the process or know that they're hurt, whether or not yeah. it's actually you doing the hurting, but I could, I could see my, my mother's pain in, in me making this statement and knowing that our relationship would never be the same. And, and, and because of the fundamentalist world, it's like making these decisions means that I'm damning myself right. for her. And so knowing that this, this woman who I have, who has loved me and who has cared for me, who has, you know, given so much of her life to me, um, now believes that both myself and my brother are, are, are on our way to hell in a lot of ways is that's because hell is so real for them. Like hell is, if you don't have these certain beliefs, you are, you you are going to hell. And so, you know, I know that that's, there's a lot of fear and anxiety in her over this. And I, I'm, you know, these things are, that I'm not worried about, but my heart breaks because I know that she's yeah. going through those things and, yeah. um, and sees them as real. Carrie, I mean, you and I have had this conversation privately, but for our listeners, I also mm-hmm. grew up in a fundamentalist mm-hmm. Christian setting. And I don't know if this would be true of your mom. I would be curious to hear what you have to say along these lines, but at least in my experience, my family going to hell it is about this like nebulous place but Mm -hmm. more than just the concept of the place it's the fact that they believe I am eternally Mm -hmm. like for eternity will be either apart from them or suffering it's also a mother's pain right so that's what's so heartbreaking about it it's like it's it's your mother's pain yeah about for what her is you know in her view is that eternal suffering 
yeah it's 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 a mess it's an emotional complicated mess and that's um and there is a lot of and and you know i grew up in fundamentalist movements you grow up thinking that you are evil from the start you're told (laughs) from the minute you go to sunday school that there is nothing good about you the only and then i could say this the only thing good about you is jesus everything else is bad the only the only hope you have is you know asking jesus into your heart and living a life according to what they believe jesus was teaching and um you're a sinner that's always in need of forgiveness and there is that's the starting there is no good yeah and that's the starting point there is no good in you and 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 yeah i think people are 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 much more you know complicated than that and totally and, and we are we are so much more than than just a sinner and yeah yeah and 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 if we really do believe that we we do share the image of god then how can we just say that there's nothing good about us so yeah. so on that yeah. note like thinking about you know the image of god in all of us i wondered if you would share uh one of your happiest memories or sort of more joy- yeah. most, yes. most joyous memory okay that's better uh um, <laughs> let's get out of this my you know, life really I, isn't this depressing i feel like I know, i'm sounding super depressed like, look yeah, at this like, midwestern white girl <laughs> whine about her life it's been so difficult um no a lot of in, wait before you tell us a happy yeah. story i want to just throw in one more analytical yeah comment. go for it go for it um hearing you talk and i think i do this as well <laughs> i i realize there's a lot of similarity in like in the, the the some of the language you're using it sounds like what people sound like when they've gotten out of a cult a religious cult <laughs> or like a, a spiritually oh i know setting. i know which I i'm i'm only too. saying that because i i can relate to that right like um i'm not trying to accuse you or anyone but yeah no but the language I... is similar when you t- sort of talk about like getting out and you talk mm-hmm. about like the being disconnected from the group and sort of being um cast out yeah. it's not yeah and i've you know i've read a decent amount about you know deprogramming yourself deprogramming out of totally um, and totally. It, it's it's really interesting it's fascinating that i've had to do a lot of that work um and one of the big areas where i actually realized it was so similar to to cult behavior was with science i was drilled yes. in my church we were watching creationist <laughs> movies and all of this like propaganda and it took me propaganda. years only in the last like five years have i really been able to say wow this isn't this isn't reality at all this isn't close to truth i would i would always in my mind just kind of well maybe it, it could be you know as i was becoming more liberal i was like well you know may, maybe part of it's right you know or whatever but um, their arguments make sense, but then after actually doing real digging, and so what really deprogrammed me was digging into their lives and seeing the type of people that they were and seeing their expertise and realizing that these people were just, I don't know if straw men is the right word, but yeah. um, they were, yeah, they were masters of deception, yeah. much of anything about, you know, natural science. Right and can be easily duped because it, you know, we've already been duped on other other things. So it's, it was a simple transition was kind of part of a cult and had to deprogram my mind a little bit and be like, yeah, it's, 
you know, because for so long, Darwin was like the devil. Yes. The most evil of all human beings. Even as I was mostly progressively like living my life as a liberal, I, I yeah. still felt in the back of my mind for a long time that, well, maybe it's right. Um, right. And it really right. took that extra step of, of digging into the, the people that I had been, been listening to from formative years. <sighs> they weren't scientists at all. Yeah, and then, <laughs> one of your most um, happy or joyous memories or experiences. Oh man. Um, I've had a lot of them. So uh, I played college basketball and during one of our conference finals, I hit the winning shot and that was an awesome moment in my life. That was pretty, that was pretty up there in terms of just sheer emotional joy. Um, The season um, that my uh, spouse and I started dating up to our marriage was, it was um, the beginning of like October. And that, that whole season was just, you know, as with a lot of new relationships, but um, particularly ones when, you know, it's like, oh, this is the person. So that was, you know, and we were in New England and, we were still in grad school, so we didn't have real jobs yet. We were kind of just able to just, you know, do a lot of the things that we just wanted to do without having to worry about all the responsibilities of real life. <laughs> that was really remind me where did he grow up? Um, Seattle, Washington. Seattle. Well, that's right. Okay, so okay. so New England was kind of this still maybe f- sort of fun, exciting. Yeah, we were uh, both. That was probably like adventure. two years, three years into our. Yeah, because if I've been here about 11, yeah, about three years into our uh, uh, more recent getting our puppy, Nessie, has been Yes, tell us about Uh, Nessie. When did you get her? How old is she? Um, Tell us everything. Yeah, we um, we got Nessie, who is a golden retriever puppy. If you're Facebook friends with me, um, that's all you'll probably see pictures of. Um, and yeah it's just been it's been awesome we've it's it was we we debated it for about three months was that the beginning of pandemic that you guys were kind of debating or I forget what yeah. how the timing fell it was okay yep that we that we got Nessie so well actually we started debating it started yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic okay. and then we okay. decided in 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 the middle of the summer to 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 do it and then we ended up finding Nessie and brought her home and it's been great she's four and a half months she lost like all her teeth yesterday it was so sad she was chewing on something and like four teeth fell out so she's the 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 toothless wonder right now but um that's hilarious very joyous moments that I think in my life oh um anything else so Carrie I always like to ask folks to tell us anything else that might be on your heart or mind for us what you know if you have anything else for us today what the word of wisdom for yeah. you all today is That's really epic. Especially on today where we were at least I during know. this recording, I have no idea what our election what? results are going to be. I think the biggest thing is just take care of your mental health. Reach out to somebody who's who's isolated and it needs needs to be heard. And yeah, I this world isn't going to end because of the 2020 presidential election and and people's lives change when we engage with them and if i hadn't met certain people i i do wonder where my life would be and and love truly is the greatest gift to humanity and we can't put that in in 
a theological box and um, pretend like we own it. Amen. Well, thank you, Carrie, very much mm-hmm. for sharing so much with us and making time this morning. We really appreciate you. We appreciate all that you do for St. James's mm-hmm. um, community and have a oh, good rest man. of your day, Carrie. Yep. You as well. Bye. Bye. If you made it to the end of this episode, thank you so much for um, listening. If you're interested in interviewing someone or perhaps you want to be interviewed, please email RevMatt at matt at stjamescambridge.org. Bye, friends. Yeah, it is. Okay, you're just going to have to see my chin. Totally, that it's fine. Nice, no big the deal. double chin. <laughs> no judgment. <laughs> Thankfully, this is this is a podcast, so we don't have to worry about the double yeah, chin angle. <laughs> exactly. It's so weird. I liked my high pitch, my high pitch. Bye. 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 Bye.